Hey, listen, um, I'm not going to preach as long this morning, but I do have something I want to share with you guys that I think is very vital for all of us. Um, it's going to pertain to, I uh, think, all of us in a sense that maybe some of you are in here, and maybe you're just kind of on the fence. Um, I totally realize that people walk into churches, and they walk in the doors, and man, maybe their life is just completely scattered. Maybe it's a wreck, maybe it's a mess, maybe you're searching for hope, maybe you're searching for joy, for peace, for satisfaction, and to be honest with yourself, you haven't found it anywhere, and so maybe this morning is kind of like the last ditch effort. Um, you're kind of like, all right, God, I'll check it out. I'll try it. Um, and so maybe that's why you're here this morning, and hopefully this morning that I can just point you to Jesus. And the thing that I love about the gospel, the thing that I love about Jesus, it does not matter where you've come from, what your past looks like, or what you've done. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, come simply as you are. And, and so I want you to know, no matter where you're at, you're never too far. Um, you're never too far. Maybe you came in here this morning and you're just saying, you know what? I feel like I'm in that category. I feel like I have just gone astray. I'm not even on the fence anymore. I've jumped off the cliff and I'm just too far for saving. I'm too far um, for God to do anything. So here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what does it look like when Jesus completely makes a person new, completely makes them new. Not when he comes in and he makes them improve, but what does it look like when he makes them completely new? There's a verse in Revelation, it's going to be on that screen, and it's in chapter 21, 4 through 5, and I love this verse, and it says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. Can you guys imagine that one day when you come face to face, if you have a loving relationship with Jesus, that one day... There will be no more sorrow, there will be no more pain, and he will wipe away absolutely every tear. And God actually always intended for life to be this way. He always intended us for us to be made whole, for us to be made new, for there to be no tears, for there to be no hopelessness, but then sin enters into the world. You may be asking yourself the question right now, why do things in my life seem so broken? And it's simply because of sin. There's another verse in uh, continuing in Revelation 21. It says this, Not only will sorrow and crying or pain cease, but all these things are gone forever. All these things are gone forever. And the one thing sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Just by a show of hands in here this morning, if you're in here and you say, honestly, I genuinely need Jesus to make me new in some areas of my life. That's you this morning. We set that up. Awesome. So there's many, many of us in here. Maybe you're in here this morning and, and you're saying, I've never tasted what a relationship with Jesus looks like and I need to fully, completely be made new. So hopefully this morning that you can come face to face with Jesus. Um, this is how I explain it all the time. But meeting Jesus is like getting in a head-on collision. It just changes everything about you. It changes absolutely everything about you. But I honestly believe that very few people experience new. They experience new things. I, I believe that few people come into church, or many people come into church, and they're looking for hope. They're looking for joy. They're, they're looking for peace. And they come in here, they sit in the service, and maybe they hear a sermon, they hear music, and maybe you came in here this morning and you're not familiar with the way that we do worship, and you came in here and you're like, what are they doing? <laughs> what, what is this? 
but you still don't understand who that Jesus really is. And, and you're saying, okay, listen, I understand what you're talking about. I understand you're saying Jesus makes all things new, but I've been sitting in this chair for four weeks now, and, and I still don't feel it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why. What, what's still wrong with me? What's going on in my heart? Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys, New Year rolls around, and you make a resolution? Anybody do that? Like, you make a resolution, maybe you say something like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out this year. Um, I don't know if you know this, but 85% of people that make resolutions lose the resolution after month one. So in February, everything that you decided you were going to do, gone. It's gone. So, so let, me, let me show you how it plays out real quick. So maybe in 2013, you, you said to yourself, hey, I'm going to work out five days a week. Five days a week, and you were pumped up, and like for a week, you worked out every single day. And then 2014 comes around, and you say, you know what, five days, is, is, I was stretching it a little bit too much, I pulled a hamstring, I don't need to really do that. So 2014, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to work out three days a week, three days a week. And then so maybe 2015 rolls around, this year rolls around, and in January, and what happens, and you make the resolution, and you say, listen, I'm just going to try to drive by the gym this time. <laughs> I'm just going to drive by. If I can at least drive by and wave and look at all the people working out, then maybe something will happen. Or, or maybe you made a resolution like this. Maybe you said, you know what, this year, I'm going to read 10 books. I'm going to read 10 books this year. Or maybe in 2013, you said, I'm going to read 10 books this year. Maybe in 2014... Now the resolution is going to something like along the lines of, all right, I'm going to just try to finish the book that I started in 2013. I'm going to try to finish it. And in 2015, you're sitting at the kitchen table and you're saying, you know what, I don't really feel like reading books anymore. I think I'm just going to stick to the comics. So you read the comics. Or, or maybe it looks something like this. In 2013, you said, I'm going to pay off my bank loan this year. And then in 2014, I'm going to pay off my bank loans <laughs> with an S. My bank loans. And in 2015, you're saying, I need to take a jet and get out of this country because I am about to get arrested. Now, here's the question. Why do I share all that with you? Why does this always happen? Why is it that we make resolutions or, or why is it that we declare that something in our life, these behavioral patterns are going to change and they never do? Why do we say, I'm, I'm going to do this and then a week later, it's gone? Because the truth is, here's what happens. Instead of allowing Jesus to make us new, we try to make better versions of ourselves. We, we try to improve ourselves. I don't know if you notice this, but if you walk into any bookstore in America, the most popular section in the bookstores are self-help. You ever seen a book that says, like, seven steps to be a better man, uh, seven steps to be a better husband, seven steps to be a better Christian? Those are all junk. I'm just going to let you, I'm going to save you your money right now. It's all junk. And it doesn't work, because here's the problem. This is why it doesn't work. Because you cannot make a better version of yourself. You have to be made new. You have to be made new. And Jesus is the only one that can do this. So 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you didn't bring a Bible, I brought a huge one right behind me. 2 Corinthians 5.17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has completely begun. So when you run face to face with Jesus, you are completely made new. And we're not trying to make a better version of ourselves. So, so a lot of times, what do we buy into? Oh, I became a Christian, so now I do what? I, I go to church. Oh, I became a Christian, so, so now what do I do? I, oh, I tithe. 
I became a Christian, so, so now I get involved in a life group. Or I became a Christian, and now we think that becoming a Christian and having a relationship with Jesus is now all about doing all these things. And that's what makes us a Christian. The truth, that, the truth is, my fear is for many of us, that we genuinely believe Christianity is all about what we do and what we don't do. A lot of us believe if we just simply show up in these doors on a Sunday morning that it kind of seals the deal for us, right? Or a lot of us genuinely believe if we do X and Y and we check off the checklist that we're good. But the truth is it's a lot like those resolutions. We keep coming in and we say, you know what, I'm going to improve my marriage. I'm going to be better at loving my kids. I'm going to try to be better at loving my wife. Or I'm going to stop this and I'm going to not do this anymore. And then a week later, we find ourselves doing it over and over again. Here's the truth. Statistics say that 78% of Americans are wearing the label of a Christian. But only 7% say because of Christianity their life has completely been altered. So 78% say, oh yeah, I believe in God, but here's the question, has it truly transformed you? Do you really know Jesus? Has it changed your will? Has it changed your wants? Have you become a complete new person? Has it changed your thought process? Like when you sin and you fall and you mess it all up, is your tendency to hide and cover it up so that you can get away with it? Or is it to embarrass your sin, expose yourself, even though it may be completely and utterly embarrassing, but you say, you know what, I don't want this to grapple me anymore, so I'm going to look like a fool for a moment if I have to. Christianity is all about when you become completely new from the inside out, not the outside in. Completely new from the inside out. There's a truth. Many of us, we don't need a resolution. We need God to completely revolutionize our lives. God wants to take you right now where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're in here this morning and you do not know Jesus. He wants to make you new this morning. He wants to make you new this morning. So here's the deal. You can approach life change in three different ways. Three different ways. Number one is simply this. You can change the outside in, or you can change the inside out. Now, here's the deal. A lot of us like to change the outside. First, we genuinely believe, okay, to know Jesus, I've got to look different. I've got this um, remark uh, many times. I met with a guy a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, rather, and uh, this lady had called me and said, hey, i got this guy who works at my restaurant, and can you come talk with him? He wants to know Jesus. And so this guy has never been to church in his entire life, and I walk in the doors and he's so nervous, because he has this perception of, you know, me and this pastor walking in with this suit, and basically that I'm going to beat him with a stick and tell him he needs to serve Jesus, or he's going to hell. And uh, I walk in, and I'm in, I guess, a t-shirt, I don't even remember what I'm wearing, t-shirt, tennis shoes, and he looks at me, and he's like, you pastor? And I'm like... Yeah, he's like, no, <laughs> no, like seriously. And um, so immediately that perception was kind of taken down for us. But a lot of times I think as Christians we have that perception, don't we? We believe, okay, on Sunday mornings i got to come in here and i got to have my kids completely perfect and all dressed nice. And i got to hold my wife's hand when you really never hold your wife's hand. you, you got to have all your kids in order and all this stuff. And you got to walk in here completely perfect. 
But let's just be honest for a second. You probably walked in here screaming and yelling at each other. You got in the car and you're like, I told you not to do this. And then you saw me out there and you're like, <laughs> right? This pastor's at Wade. Start Wade or I'll beat you when we get home. <laughs> I don't know him. It, it's the truth, right? Uh, what is the common thing that we do when we're at the door? Hey, how you doing? Fine. Great. I've said this example before, but I think it couldn't be further than the truth. When a lot of times when a pastor asks you or even anybody asks, hey man, how's it going? And you say, great. The truth is your wife is looking on the internet, ways to kill you and get away with it. It's really not fine, right? So, so here's, here's the most freeing thing about a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. You can be who you are. You can be weak. We, we talked about this last week, that weakness is the way, right? Weakness is the way to genuine strength. It, when you become a Christian, here's the most incredible thing in the world. You don't have to try to be somebody you're not. It's not changing the outside first. It's not changing the perspective that everybody sees you as. Changing the inside, allowing God to work on your heart. Number two. You can do something different, or you can be somebody different. And here's what, here's what I mean by this. You think to yourself, I'm just going to change my behaviors. I'm just going to change my activities. But in reality, we need Jesus to completely change us on the inside. You can try and change your behavior, but until you allow God to change your heart, you will never be made whole. You see, there's this thing called behavioral modification, and uh, counselors and people all over try to do it all the time, but it never works. Because if you just try to change your behavior, like, you ever tried to, to say, like, hey, I'm just going to stop, um, I don't know, I'm just picking something, I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes. I'm going to just stop doing that. Which, by the way, smoking cigarettes, I don't believe you're going to hell. Some people will tell you that you will, but I don't believe you're going to hell. Listen, here's, here's the truth. Here's what we got to look at. If you begin to change the heart inside here, like inside you begin to experience hope and joy when you've never felt it before, all the outside things are a byproduct of change. So all the things that people saw you do and the anger that you lashed out at or the way that you treated your wife or the way that you treated your kids or the way that you presented yourself at work, all of those things begin to change when you begin to change the heart. What do we like to do as Christians a lot of times? We like to harp on the things that we see on the external. Hey, you need to change this and change this. It'll probably change your life. And it's completely backwards. You need to allow God to completely restore and wreck your heart. And all those things on the outside will begin to slowly change. Number three. You can try to improve the old new or you can come become a completely brand new new. God intentionally set up this system in the Old Testament called the Old Covenant, and it was designed not to work intentionally. It was designed not to work intentionally. What do I mean by this? In the Old Testament, when you mess up, you had to, you had to sacrifice an animal and pour the blood of the animals over your sin. Can you imagine that today? Like, I just told a lie. Dang it, got to kill another sheep. Uh, we'd be killing a lot of sheep, right? The problem was that even though your sin was paid for, you still felt guilty. You still felt shameful. 
You still felt hopeless. But God looked at the old covenant and he made a better way. He made a better way. How many of you guys um, know, maybe, maybe you didn't grow up in church, but maybe you've heard before, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Like, don't kill, don't murder. That's the same one. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. All these things. And, and listen, what I love about it is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, they would look at that and they'd say, okay, I can do that. I can do that. I can follow God's laws. I can follow God's rules. And then Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament. And what does he say? He, he totally destroys our world. He said, oh, by the way, I know you're not sleeping with your neighbor's wife, but if you look at her lustfully, you've done the same thing. Wait, what? Like no double looks, God? No, no double looks. It, it's impossible, right? For us to completely live this life. And the reason that Jesus designs it this way is because it proves to us that we need a Savior. It proves to us that we can't do it on our own. And if we try, we're going to fail every single time. So you can make all the resolutions you want. You can try to be as good as you want. But the truth is you're still going to feel hopelessness. You're still going to feel guilt. You're still going to feel shame. And then Jesus comes on the scene in Hebrews chapter 16. If you have a Bible... Turn with me there real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. It says this. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. It says, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That is a good verse. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So, so here's, the, here's the most incredible thing about the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Is that when you sin and you fail, now you have a redeemer that makes all things new in your past can be completely forgiven. And you can feel no more guilt and no more shame because God genuinely and truly forgives you of that past mistake that you've done. He forgives you of past mistakes, present mistakes, and future mistakes. Here's the truth. Jesus is not going to tell you to do right. He's going to make you right. He's not going to tell you to do right. He's going to make you right. Have you ever tried following all the rules and it just makes you miserable? Did, did anybody have a, does anybody have a kid right now? I was that kid. Sorry, Mom. But like when they told you, son, do not step out of the line. I was a kid that was kind of like, but why? <laughs> Don't step out of the line. But why? I want to. Following the rules can be miserable, it can be difficult, it can be impossible in Christianity. And it's the whole reason that Jesus came and he died and he offers grace to us. Continue reading in Hebrews 10, chapter, um, chapter 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up through us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So what is he saying? There is now a new way of living. There's a new way of living, that when you sin, when you fall short, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that there is forgiveness, that there is grace. Four times in these next few verses, he's going to say, let us. So let's read it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, listen to this, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
I think that the greatest thing that plagues most Christians and most non-Christians is the guilty conscience, right? It is, man, the regret from the things that you've done, the regret from the past, the regret from the things that you wish that you could erase and burn from your memory. But according to Hebrews, it totally says that he sprinkles us with clean water and he washes our conscience clean when we come face to face with Jesus. If we draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to us. And here's the cool thing, burdens and all. Baggage and all. Hebrews 10, continuing to verse 23. He says, let us unswervingly hold, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who has promised is faithful. So listen, when you come and you know Jesus, it says this, he's going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful to forgive. He's going to be faithful to pursue mercy towards you. He's going to be faithful to offer grace. He's going to be faithful to wipe that conscience clean. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have hope. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have an anchor. Listen, how many of you guys have learned this by now? Life can be a storm, right? Life can get messy. Life can throw some curveballs and you say, why? Why is this happening? What am I doing? But if you have an anchor, you can stay grounded, even though it may be storming completely around you. Anchored in hope. When your circumstances seem hopeless. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The secret to growing in your relationship with Jesus is getting around other believers. Getting around other believers. Listen, if you've come in here, maybe you're getting baptized this morning, or maybe you're sitting in your seat and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going for it. If that's you, listen, this journey cannot be done alone. We need others to spur us on, to sharpen us, to, to push us, to help us pursue in the race and the journey. A lot of us simply, maybe we've come to know Jesus, but a lot of us simply don't grow because we don't value community. We don't value community. We don't value getting around other believers. Maybe we're scared. Maybe we're timid. Maybe we're embarrassed. But as I said last week, the truth is I would rather embarrass myself and step out of my comfort zone in order to have the fullness of joy that God offers instead of allowing my pride and my my, my timidness and all those things to hold me back. Hebrews 10, 25 says, And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The reason many of us don't grow some, um, on throughout the week and the reason that many of us don't grow spiritually is simply because, yet again, we do not value coming together. Listen, church is so much more than people sitting in a seat. It, it, it's so much more than people just coming in here and listening to a sermon and having music play. It's you having the opportunity to walk in these doors and encounter and experience not only Jesus, but family. We have this term all throughout uh, our churches, and it's simply this, spiritual family. Maybe you came from a background where you didn't have solid family. 
Maybe you had a mom that wasn't there, a dad that wasn't there, or maybe they were there, maybe you lost them, something tragic happened. Or maybe the relationship tethered and it's worn and there's bad soil between you guys. And maybe you find yourself without a family today. Can I say this? We have a sign and you'll see it every Sunday morning. It just says, welcome home. That's what we want this to be. We want this to be not just a church. We want it to be a home where people can find redemption, where people can find family, where the fatherless can come in and find fathers. Ultimately, we want it to be a place where people can find hope, and the only way that that happens is through Jesus. It's through Jesus. So I already gave you four more things. I already gave you the points through these verses, but I'm going to ask them to you in a form of a question. So number one, am I worshiping intimately? Like, if you really want to know Jesus, then what do you worship? Worship is not just this. It's not just singing. It's not just music. It's what you give your time and your talent and your affections to. Like, TV can be worship. Like, what do you give your affection to? What are you worshiping? What is your value? What is your primary point of interest throughout the week? If God wants us to draw near then worshiping him intimately is going to be key. John 4.23 says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So simply said, a worshiper is not somebody that just plays an instrument. Actually, in uh, all throughout scripture, worship is kind of weirdly translated as a kiss. It's an intimate thing. You don't just go and randomly kiss a stranger, do you? Hopefully you don't. You don't just randomly go and kiss a stranger. It's an intimate thing between husband and a wife. And ultimately, that is the kind of relationship that Jesus desires all of us to have that is intimate. That you genuinely know him. That you take time out of your day to worship him, to pursue him, to seek him. Imagine it this way. If I said, Jesus, okay, great, I came in these doors, God started to transform my life, He started to do some things in my heart, and then I walk out of these doors, and let's put it in the perspective of marriage. If I just looked at my wife one day and said, babe, you know what, you said yes. Um, I put the ring on, you said yes, so uh, here's what we're going to do. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I'm not going to talk, and Sunday uh, I'll talk to you. Do you think that will last long? But what, it just wouldn't last, right? If there was no intimacy, there was no connection, there was no communication, there's no relationship. Right? What, what does my wife crave and desire? She, she craves and desires for me to communicate, to share my heart, my feelings, my affections, all that stuff that all of us guys don't like to do. That's what she wants. Right? It's the same way between us and the Father. He wants us to talk to him. And listen, your prayers don't have to be like this. Oh, God, great Father, Jesus, Son. And just talk to him like you're talking to somebody else. And a lot of times it's like, God, help me. I don't know what to do. Be honest with him. And here's the truth. If you're new in here, new to the faith, start small. I remember when I first got saved, like, my, one of my goals was just, I'm, I'm going to read ten chapters of the Bible a day. A day. And, like, five in, I'm like, oh, this is so boring. 
Why? Because it wasn't getting in me. I was setting goals that were totally unattainable. So when I first came to know Jesus, I had to learn, okay, man, if it's one verse at a time, and i got to get that in me, read it, memorize it, learn it, what does that actually mean, and how can I live that out there? And that's what i got to do, and then it starts to grow. Number two, am I feeding daily? Am I making God's word a part of my life every day? Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Man, if, if you don't have a Bible, we've got a free one for you. If you don't own one, if you go back out here at the Connect kiosk, you can grab one. Take as many as you want. But listen, God's word, it says, is a light and a lamp to our path. And we live in a dark world. We live in a dark world. And there's so many Christians, honestly, that don't pick it up. That don't read it. For me, every single time that I have gone to it, it is breathed to my soul. It's given breath to my lungs. It's been something that satisfies that longing. Like when I find it, when I go without it for days, and I'm like, God, what is missing on the inside? And in a lot of times it's simply because I have not spent time with Jesus and I have not read the word. And then those words begin to leap off the page to me. Begin to leap off the page. If you want to be made whole and if you want to be made new, you have to learn to feed daily. You cannot do this on your own. This is why we need each other. This is why we need community. Number three. Am I serving faithfully? My serving faithfully. I would bet that the people in here that have grown the most since this church has started are the people that are serving on some kind of dream team somewhere. The people that um, are serving. Listen, real quick. If you serve in kids, can we give a huge hand for every person who's serving in kids? Listen, there's many ladies that serve back there every single Sunday that sacrifice and give of their time so that your kids can know Jesus. And not only that, so you can sit in here without all the noise. <laughs> right? But the, those people that have served and that serve in the front, and Mr. Brad, most of you guys don't see, he comes up here at 8.30 every morning to make sure that everything is good and ready. It's, it's people like that that have genuinely gotten close to Jesus and they've gotten close to other people in this church because they serve. And number four, am I connecting? Am I connecting? Here's what I mean by this. If you come in here this morning and you say, hey, listen, Pastor Zach, I feel like this church needs to be my home. Then let me ask you a question. Are you doing everything that you can to connect? Are you doing everything that you can to connect? And, and I'm going to offer a few ways. Um, starting next Sunday, we have something called Next Step that's going to be starting up. There's going to be child care, and there's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be lunch provided, and it's going to be directly after service. And basically, all we're simply going to do is we're going to walk you through all of the values, all the beliefs that we believe here at OSC. And then on top of that, we're going to throw out and lay out all different kinds of ways that you can get involved in the church. And this is not about just serving this house. Ultimately, it's about mobilizing people within the church to affect the community out there. So that we can see God truly make a mark here on Crowley. 
So here's what I want to change the tone just a little bit. You need a home, you need family, but ultimately you need to come face to face with Jesus. So I want to do this. If you don't know Jesus in here this morning, and maybe I'm talking and you feel that kind of like your heart kind of sputtering, like what's going on. Listen, here's what I have learned. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict somebody, and if you feel something and you don't know what it is, learn to act on that quickly. Very quickly. Even if you're like, I don't know, should I do this? I don't think I want to do this. Learn to act on that quickly. Because here's the cool thing about that. God is speaking to you. God's speaking to you. He's saying something. He's tugging on your heart. If you walk in these doors and you felt hopeless, you didn't feel any joy, then Jesus wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Let me put it this way. If everything started, the music starts, People are walking in, and it's time for me to come up here and preach on this stage. The lights come on, and I'm not here. People kind of start looking around, what, what's going on, what's Pastor Seth? Two minutes go by, still, not up here. Three minutes go by, I'm not up here. Five minutes go by, I'm not here. Ten minutes later, people are starting to be like, this is pretty awkward. Like, what, why did we come here? And all of a sudden, you hear the back doors over there burst open. I come out of breath running up these, up these steps onto the stage. I'm like, sorry, it's running late. And I tell you this elaborate story and I say something along the lines of, listen, I was driving here, my tire went flat. And uh, as my tire went flat, I had a spare, so I'm unhooking my spare. And uh, I step out in the road and change my, my, my tire. And as I step out into the road, an 18-wheeler runs me over. And as it runs me over, I get back up <laughs> Like, just right back up, change my tire, put it on my car, and now I'm here. Would you believe that story? No. Why? Because if I got ran over by a Mac 18-wheeler truck, you think my body would look a little bit different than it does right now? Yeah. It would look a whole lot different. There's no way I'd be standing up here on this stage. And here's the thing. When you have a head-on collision with Jesus Christ, you look totally different. Totally different. So, so here's what I want you to know right now. You may be looking at your circumstances and saying, I feel hopeless. But then when you meet Jesus, everything changes. You may be sitting in these seats right now and say, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to commit my life to Jesus. But listen, that despair, that guilt, that shame that you feel, everything changes when you meet Jesus. Everything changes. You're no longer the same. Man, that regret that you had, that past that you have, that life that you used to live, that constantly is bogging you down, it's gone. Completely gone. Made new. Not a better version of you. Completely made new. Completely made whole. Completely redeemed. Completely restored. So I love about Jesus. Man, in the days that I feel low, in the days that I don't feel like I want to keep pushing on and keep loving Jesus and serving Jesus, i got to remember that. Wait, hold on, time out. Man, the place that God brought me from, I don't ever want to go back there. I don't ever want to go back.